Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Yes, it is. And welcome back. Tuesday, October 19th, 2021. Our phone number is 602 A few notes I was jotting down. This may take me a little bit of time to unwind. I hope you find it worth it. But as I guess I would have predicted, the passing of Colin Powell brings with it a lot of bad history and worse philosophy. A hammer to use against Republicans. I've read five different stories. I know there are a lot more. I could only stomach five along the lines of the Republican Party became too extreme for Colin Powell. Colin Powell was a truth teller to Republicans and couldn't stomach the party anymore. The party changed, not Colin Powell. This about a man who, let us forget, endorsed Barack Obama over everything the moderates told the Republicans they needed to do, which was nominate someone like John McCain which is exactly what the Republicans did in 2008. That's when Colin Powell decided the Republican Party could not get his vote anymore. If McCain to him or to anyone was too conservative or right wing wing in the party of Ronald Reagan, we need a new dictionary. And in passing, I'm guessing we'll hear a lot of this as well again when Meghan McCain's book comes out. So... We have to look at this news and commentary yet again and perhaps ask or instruct yet again on what is a Republican. What does or should the Republican Party stand for? We were put in mind of this politically existential question when we read in the news a few uh, – just – yeah, about a year and a half ago, I guess it would be – that – Someone like Arizona's former Republican senator, Jeff Flake, was endorsing Joe Biden. And there were a few other Republicans in name and retirement who endorsed Joe Biden. Another Arizona congressman was Jim Colby who did that. But not really a Republican was he because I remember a few months before he was claiming to be a Republican endorsing Biden, he declared he had left the Republican Party. Anyway, you hear a lot, a lot about Donald Trump having changed the party of Ronald Reagan and variants of that theme or statement. Reagan, Goldwater, it's not the same party. Donald Trump was defiant and norm busting. Those are not unusual adjectives to describe Donald Trump. Actually, they're two of the more complimentary adjectives to describe Donald Trump. So what is a Republican? And I think The best place to start is with the very first Republican Party platform from 1856. What were the origins of this party people claim to have an entitlement to? The platform that convinced Abraham Lincoln, later our first Republican president, to become a Republican was found in the first Republican Party platform of 1856. People all across all across our party, I hope, still revere Lincoln. I should start by pointing out 
that social issues or family values or voter values were always part and parcel of the Republican Party. If it's the social issues that bother you, then the history of the Republican Party from the get-go should bother you. Consider the first Republican uh, Party platform stated this, quote, resolved that the Constitution confers upon Congress sovereign powers over the territories of the United States for their government, and that in the exercise of this power, it is both the right and the imperative duty of Congress to prohibit in the territories those twin relics of barbarism, polygamy and slavery. Twin relics of barbarism. There it is, right there, right after the platform revivified and restated and incorporated the principles and the language of the Declaration of Independence. The party resolved to not only oppose slavery, but also, as I said, polygamy, calling them relics of barbarism. And this made all the sense in the world, of course. And as you know, Utah could not be admitted to the United States until it banned polygamy. As for slavery, there was, aside from polygamy perhaps, but with a great deal more force and evil, I think, no greater threat to the values of a family, family values. Slavery downgraded human beings into property, ripped mothers from children, husbands from wives, if they could marry, and entire parades of horribles to black families we could spend the whole day describing. It's amusing to me in its illiteracy that you now see leftists and anti-racist activists and scholars saying you cannot be anti-racist and capitalist at the same time that slavery was a capitalist structure. You see that from Professor, well, not Professor Jack Dorsey, but the Professor Jack Dorsey gave $10 million to, Ibram Kendi. We'll come back to that. It's economic and philosophic illiteracy dressed up to support Marxism. But let it be noted just very briefly, slavery was futile, feudal with a D at best, and the opposite of free labor and free markets. If you wanted a modern-day society where humans were thought of as property and families destroyed by the state, you would be describing communism, China, the dream that failed, the gulags, Not free markets and free people, not the United States, not Milton Friedman or Frederick Hayek or Ronald Reagan or Abraham Lincoln. As I say, I'll I'll, I'll speak more about that later. I just had to say something about the illiteracy and idiocy of those our culture rewards for saying the most stupid of things when it comes to the economic policies Republicans have backed for so many years. But back to the GOP for a moment. Since I do assume we still like and revere Abraham Lincoln, our first Republican president, maybe it's worth quoting him a little bit. Two years after the Republican Party was formed and all eyes were on Abraham Lincoln in Illinois, 1858, he gave a speech saying saying this, quote, In the founders' enlightened belief, nothing stamped with the divine image and likeness was sent into the world to be trodden on and degraded and imbruted by its fellows. Our founders grasped not only the whole race of man then living, but they reached forward and seized upon their farthest posterity. They erected a beacon to guide their children and their children's children and the countless myriads who should inhabit the earth in other ages. 
Wise statesmen as they were, they knew the tendency of prosperity to breed tyrants, and so they established these great self-evident truths that when in the distant future some man, some faction, some interest should set up the doctrine that none but rich men or none but white men were entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, their posterity might look up again to that old declaration of independence and take courage to renew the battle which their fathers began so that truth and justice and mercy and all the humane and Christian virtues might not be extinguished from the land so that no man would hereafter dare to limit and circumscribe the great principles on which the temple of liberty was being built, close quote. Maybe that's worth quoting to those who say today's Republican Party brings too much religion or social life expression into it. But it is fair to say something did change in the Republican Party, and it's not what the critics say. It's what no one says very often, and it was the abandonment of the sentiments I just read, the idea of natural rights, and our Declaration of Independence. And it started to change with the presidency of Teddy Roosevelt. He, of course, became a leader of the progressive movement, which is why he, too, ultimately left the party of Abraham Lincoln. Wait, some will say. He didn't become a progressive. He ran on something called the Bull Moose Party. Well, sort of. He ran against a Republican named William Taft, and the Bull Moose Party was not the party's official name. It was a nickname. Want to guess what the official formal name? Try this. The official name was, quote, the Progressive Party of the United States, close quote. Then we reclaimed it, beginning with Calvin Coolidge. The party regained much of its original positioning until Dwight Eisenhower. Recall why Dwight Eisenhower, for a moment, picked Richard Nixon as his running mate. Two main reasons. The first was to bolster his conservative credentials, and because Richard Nixon, no irony here, this was our party after all, the other, the other reason was Richard Nixon polled really well with African Americans or black voters, as Republicans always should have, and really did until 1964. Let me come back on more of this. I think it's a lesson worth remembering, as George Orwell said, sometimes the first task of the learned is a restatement of the obvious. It's not obvious if it's forgotten or mistaught or propagandized. We'll make it obvious again when we come back. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero is the number. I'm Seth Leibson, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Just kind of unloading some thoughts about uh, the Republican Party's history in the light of the uh, perennial, uh, the perennial hobby of mainstream journalists and uh, others to try and redefine the party and say things about its change that they probably wish were true, but simply is not true. I was taking us up to the year 1964. Now was a pivotal year for the party, as it was Barry Goldwater's candidacy that proved a revolution from what was our last Republican president, Eisenhower, who was really a departure from Lincoln and Coolidge. It was a re By revolution, I mean revolution in the most 
etymological of senses, turning back to origins, which is what a revolution properly understood is. It's a turnaround, quite literally, back to basics. The party had become soft in the 1940s and 1950s. No one says I'm a Tom Dewey Republican anymore, trying to accommodate Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal without fully abandoning it. Think of people like Earl Warren, Republican governor of California, for example, a former vice presidential nominee. He was later appointed to be the chief justice of the Supreme Court. And nearly everything we think about with regard to constitutional perversions in our culture and our courts came from, began really in what was and still is known as the Warren Court, especially on social issues. This would work its way from issues having to do with prayer in school to race issues to ultimately the precursor to Roe versus Wade, with Warren himself and the majority of those liberal and departing decisions. In, in his landmark book, The Conscience of a Conservative, Barry Goldwater's, which was the prelude to his run for the presidency, Goldwater attacked the Warren Court and Warren himself, actually, writing, quote, in effect, the Supreme Court says what matters is not the ideas of the men who wrote the Constitution, but the court's ideas. It was only by engrafting its own views onto the established law of the land that the court was able to reach the decisions it has been reaching. Thus, the birth of the living Constitution or judicial activism. Close quote. Goldwater was foursquare against all this stuff. Republicans like Earl Warren originated it. Who's the real conservative and Republican? Amusing to me is that, stay with Jeff Flake for a moment, is one of many examples of these kinds of Republicans who like to tell us what the party is. He says he's from the party of Barry Goldwater and even titled his book a few years ago, the same thing Barry Goldwater titled, titled his, Conscience of a Conservative, and you will find nothing Goldwaterian in it. You will find distortions of history and Goldwater in it. You will, if you go back a little in history, see Barry Goldwater condemning Castro, for example, and wanting to send the Marines even into Cuba and strengthening our resistance to Castro. If you go back a little less far in history, less further in history, you'll see Jeff Flake wanting to send dollars into Cuba and weakening our resistance to Castro. If you go back even a week in history, you will see Democrats thinking it a good idea to send dollars to Iran and weakening our sanctions there. If you go back a little more than a week, you'll see Jeff Flake opposing that idea in 2015, but then criticizing Donald Trump for ending it when he did. This you might call personalities over principles. But then knowing this, spare me the headlines saying people like Jeff Flake and his doughboys stand on anything like principle. But back to the 1960s for a moment, the fight against conservatives trying to wrest control of the party back to its original roots was not really a happy or kind one. Nelson Rockefeller, who challenged Goldwater in 1964, ran on a campaign painting Goldwater as an irresponsible reactionary. Indeed, he sent a mailer to California voters asking, quote, who do you want in the room with the H-bomb button, close quote. That was Nelson Rockefeller. He routinely, and at a speech at the convention in 1964, called Goldwater and his followers extremists. That is what prompted Goldwater's line that extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. It wasn't directed at Democrats. It was directed at fellow Republicans who were libeling him as an extremist. And no surprise, really, 
that Mitt Romney used to brag that his father, George Romney, walked out of the GOP convention when Goldwater said those words. Now, there's a lot more to say here, but let me put it this way. Ronald Reagan, I think we can all agree, almost as much as Abraham Lincoln, came to the national political scene as a Republican in his most decisive way in a nationally televised speech on behalf of Barry Goldwater in 1964. He concluded his speech denouncing Nikita Khrushchev and those who would seek accommodation with him this way, quote, you and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord, Bri Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools, and our honored dead gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where, then, is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is the meaning in the phrase of Barry Goldwater's peace through strength. Winston Churchill said that the destiny of man is not measured by material consumption. When great forces are on the move in the world, we learn we are spirits, not animals. And then he said there is something going on in time and space and beyond time and space, which, whether we like it or not, spells duty. Close quote. I have a lot more to say about this. But those who say Trump departed from Reagan and Goldwater and call themselves Republicans better ask themselves two questions. For those of you that endorsed Joe Biden, what does Joe Biden stand for as a matter of policy or his party on a matter of policy that you agree with or think finds countenance in anything the Republican Party ever stood for? And second, given the agenda that Trump was running on last year, deployed and now added to for a potential second run, what is it in the, in the platform you disagree with? What is it you disagree with? The entire party, the entire party, when it came to moderates like McCain or there were people like Susan Molinari or Connie Morella, the entire party said, well, they may not be my kind of Republican, but they're better than the Democrats. And as Ronald Reagan said, an 80 percent friend is not a 20 percent enemy. A soft Republican better than a hard Democrat any day. Yeah, we've done that. Does it ever go in the other direction when the moderate Republicans don't like the conservative ones in the tradition of Goldwater and Reagan? Still more to say on this. I think it's important and I'm welcoming any thoughts you have as well. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. 34 past the hour brings us our culture and economy update with John Dombrowski. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. And he has a radio show right here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. Happy Tuesday, John. Hey, how's it going, Seth? i got an interesting bit of trivia for Oh, you. do you? Oh, I love it. Let's go. Yeah. Now, now first of all, the market today had a, a very good day. Yeah, I see that. But if we go back a number of years to one of the worst days for the stock market, which was in 1987, on this day of October 19th. Oh, was this Black Tuesday? Black Monday. Monday. Black yes. Monday it yes. was. What was yeah, Black? Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yes, yeah. I do. I re- you know what I remember more than anything else? Uh, this is funny, okay. John. You'll, you'll get a chuckle. I remember talking to four or five adults. I wasn't really one yet then. I mean, I think I was 18 or something. But I remember four or five adults then saying, well, yeah, just as I predicted. <laughs> yeah, it was really, you know, I, you, you get a lot of that to you these days. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, just I, as I, I predicted. I can tell you, there are people out there, set that say the market is going to crash. And you know what? They're right. Yeah. When, yeah. yeah. Nobody knows, right? Yeah. So yeah. there's definitely going to be the correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you've got to be in it. You've got to participate. And we know over time, if you would have, you know, obviously, if you look back to 1987 to today, if you would have had your money in the market and did nothing, uh, you would have seen an incredible amount of growth yeah. over those years. Of course. Uh, that was a 22% decline, though, in one day. So that was certainly a, uh, the largest single decline in the history of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. You, you today were, was a good day for the market. No, today was a good day. And on that note, though, you were yes. you were kind of pointing out something interesting to me uh, earlier. Uh, a new study out of the Tax Foundation kind of puts to rest, to the degree people read it or know about it, kind of puts to rest this lie that cutting taxes is the, resp- is, 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 is the reason why we have budget deficits and national debt. Turns out this new study... Shows that Donald Trump's tax cuts um, increased at record levels receipts, payroll taxes, on uh, corporate taxes, personal income taxes. taxes. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was not only that, it was a revenue increaser, right? Interesting, right? So this is from the Congressional Budget Office, and they're now estimated – Federal government received $370 billion in corporate tax revenue. Now, this is over the past fiscal year, which matches the highest back in 2007. Right. And also for personal um, income tax yep. revenues uh, as well. So for those of us out there, the, the general public, we all pay our taxes. Uh, it said that the uh, collections are uh, an all-time high of over $2 trillion for the fiscal year. Uh, payroll tax revenues, $1.3 trillion. Yep. Uh, and all these total over $4 trillion for fiscal year 2021, an all-time high, yep. and they say in nominal terms. But uh, So you're right, Seth. Here we have the, the Trump tax cuts uh, are now, even during the recovery of a pandemic, creating the highest revenues that we've seen. So what would happen once the economy gets fully recovered? Uh, you know, either we can continue with what we currently have, which is working, or we go ahead and we try to rebuild or redesign something that's already broken. What was the expression? I wish I knew who said it, if it ain't broke. Oh, I wonder who did say that. That's a great trivia question. If it ain't, ain't broke, I, I, let's, you want to guess? I'll take a guess. I'm, I'm betting it was like some vice president. 
that we don't remember, uh, like a John Nance Garner or something. That would be my uh, – we'll look it up at the break. Uh, that's a great okay. question. But your point uh, in bringing out this Tax Foundation study about lower tax rates increasing revenue – has been something that a lot of us on the supply side have been saying since the 60s. John Kennedy, right. in his famous 1962 Economic Club address, said it's a paradoxical truth that right. tax rates are too high and tax revenues too low, and the best way to raise revenues is to cut taxes. And that's why he called it a paradoxical truth, because it doesn't make immediate sense unless you take a quick study of these things and realize that the answer sure. is growth. That's the answer. That's how you and solve our economic And we had that today growth. in the market, yep. and we're seeing corporate earnings again, uh, some positive uh, reports on earnings, and the S&P 500 again rose on strong earnings. Uh, fifth straight positive day after a rocky September and early October. We're starting to see some stability come back to the market. Christmas coming early, at least in the financial realm, if not the delivery well, let's, let's of hope goods it continues, realm. Let's yeah. hope it continues. And you and I have some research to do on the if it ain't. Yes. Yeah. Okay, brother. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Right. Well done. Yes. Securities and advisory services offered through Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Sipican and Investment Advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thanks, Seth. Bless you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Keith is in Atlanta, Georgia. Hi, Keith. How are you doing, Seth? I am doing fine. How are you? I'm doing well. Hey, um, well, I, I agree with what your statement was about like people like Jeff Blake. And I think it, what it comes down to is they know that if they truly show their liberal positions, they couldn't get elected. So they have to become a chameleon. But a liberal, on the other hand, can do they can show their true colors and and when you get to look at the the supreme court justices what we republicans we conservatives every time one of this put up there by one of our presidents we have to hold our breath but every time a democrat puts one up there we have to hold our nose mm. they are 100 percent with who they choose we we're lucky to get one good one out of every every time the we get a Republican president. About twenty percent of the time, maybe. Us, yeah, he gives us Alito, but he still gives us John Roberts. Right. H. W. gave us Clarence Thomas. Thank God we got Clarence. But Thomas. but he also he also gave us Souter. Right. And right. and Reagan gave us Scalia, but he also gave us Kennedy. Right. And look at Gerald Ford. He gave us John Paul Stevens. That's right. And Nixon gave us and, Blackman. Yep. We can go at down. Least, we Nick, can go on and on, right? Yeah. Nixon gave us Rehnquist, which was good. Yeah. But, but also but, Blackman. But, right. 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 Exactly right. 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 And Byron White, too. He was another one that was not a winner. I will take Byron but, White from a Democrat under John Kennedy. Really, honestly, I will. I'll take his opinions over a lot of the people Nixon gave us. I really will. Nixon gave us, I yeah. think, three or four justices, if memory serves. Maybe, it th maybe, maybe at least two. But I, 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 Byron, <laughs> Byron White was probably the last Democrat appointed justice who was worth any salt at all. Anyway, I take your point. Yeah, go, go ahead. And you, and you know what? What's so sad? It's it's the Republican senators who are culpable to this because I'm not for 
smearing people like the Democrats do. But Republicans should just have their questions and, and go through the gamut and say, you do not support this, you do not support this, I cannot vote for you. It, you know, instead of going the Lindsey Graham route, where he, Lindsey Graham, he asks he questions and then he closes it out. Well, you may not be... Right, uh, right. You're not my choice, but you're certainly qualified. Yeah. Here's what, here's what Republicans, you got elected up there, you didn't go up there to rubber stamp it. Why don't Republicans take a vow that we will never elect a person to the bench unless they screen through the National Rifle Association and the American Center for Law and Justice or the AD, AD, is it ADF? Alliance Defending Freedom or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Some conservative organizations. Because you know that when the liberals, they, everyone they put up there, the ACLU approves. You know, you know, it dawns on me. You're onto something here, Keith. In an interesting, uh, interesting, uh, brief history uh, of what Donald Trump did. Do you remember what he said? He said he had a list from the Federalist Society and the Heritage Foundation, which he did select from, and people went, you know, crazy over that. Um, but you know, between the people he gave us, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett. Um, Kavanaugh, who, interestingly enough, had the hardest fight against him, maybe the weakest of those three links. We're not sure yet. The jury's, I think, still out. I'm not. You may have a different read on it. But, you know, when he did that or said that, we got three justices I have more confidence in than some of the other Republican nominees we've had over the last few years. It kind of goes to your exactly. point. I don't know if you agree with it or not. Well, I, I, I think that if we just said to our if our senators truly wanted to be Republicans and prove it, they will never vote for a justice on the bench unless ADF and the National Rifle Association approves of, the, of this person to the bench. Other than that, you're not going to get my vote. You know, that's, that's you know, it's worth at this point adding a parenthetical too, though, Keith, because there's a when it comes to federal courts and and certainly the big one, Supreme Court. There's a lot of blocking as well as tackling, right? And uh, and and I, you know, I am probably almost as critical of Mitch McConnell as most of us in our party have been. But he does get a few badges of merit for a few things and some very fine hours he's had. One of them was something that we took on the chin for a long time, which was his refusal to allow Merrick Garland to get that Supreme Court seat. And and so many weak-kneed people were saying Garland is a moderate. You're not going to do better than Garland. And, you know, those promises never work out and never pan out, and we see who Garland is. What's the old saying? If you want to see who someone is, give them a little power. Who said that? I don't know who said it. It's fairly true, though. Probably a lot of people have said it. But Garland got a little power. And in the first year of that power, he's throwing the FBI at, ch- at uh, parents defending their children from, from, from Marxist doctrine in the schools. Right? That's the great moderate. Yeah. We were told you're not going to do better than him from a Democrat. Well, they may be right. We may not be able to do better than him. But thank God he is not on the Supreme Court. And that's Mitch yep. McConnell. That, that's, a, that's a badge of honor Mitch deserves. And, Seth, I have to say I'm 100 percent with you. I, I've said that to my friends. I, I'm not a big fan of Mitch McConnell, but he may have saved the country when he blocked Merrick Garland. And and I will say this about Merrick Garland as well. 
I'll bet you Barack Obama would have got Merrick Garland had he not been so antagonistic towards um, the not conservative American, but mainstream America, uh, how he antagonized and 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 um, provoked with us throughout his full tenure as presidency, because he when he got his first two justices, he went out full out radical people. He brought Merrick Garland up there to make it look like, hey, I'm giving you Republicans an olive branch. Yep. But the truth of the matter is that ship had sailed. Barack Obama showed his colors. Everything he did was just to rub conservative people's faces in his. Uh, well, yes, 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 and 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 even this extends, frankly, Keith, to the to the appellation of moderate Joe Biden. I don't know where people were during the Bork hearings. I don't know where people were during the Clarence Thomas hearings. But when it comes to moderate Joe Biden, Bork and Thomas have a totally different story about his moderacy and his veracity, his ability to tell the truth. Yeah, the, the people on the Democrat side, I will say this, and Dennis Prager is nailing it. That party, that group of people are evil. They hate us, and they they want control of. They don't want control of us. They want us eliminated from society. They really do. Keith, how's the weather in Atlanta? Oh, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Hey, this this is what it's all about. I'm proud to be an American. Bless you. I am too. Let's keep it. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. It sounds like this might be a really good music day on this show. <laughs> it sounds, you know, the way we put music in here, sometimes we put three or four songs in, or have. I mean, we haven't updated our library in a while, but I remember, you know, they were based on, um, put them on just, just a series of songs I had heard at the time and liked, and Bill resisted every time I said, I think you'll like this one. What do you think? He'd have the same response all the time. I like Rush. A good response. Not responsive, but a good response. Kind of interesting, though. Let me finish out this hour by making the final point I was trying to make uh, a little bit earlier about moderates in our party and originalists in our party. Um, we originalists or conservatives in our party um, have worked hard for a lot of people in the Republican Party who really weren't of us, if you will. I gave some names a little bit earlier. You can think of others. Uh, we went out and worked really hard for them. We busted our tails for them because of a principle we also learned from Ronald Reagan, which is that an 80% friend is not a 20% enemy. A soft Republican is better than a hard Democrat. We can see that in sharp relief today. Vote for any Democrat you want who may tell you they're moderate. And yes, even with the mansion and cinema situation going on right now, work for any Democrat you want who may call themselves moderate. Joe Biden is another example. They're going to be voting for the leadership and they're going to be voting with the leadership and the main tide of that party they have run on and with and has given them funding and platforms. They're going to do it every time. 
And it's so strong of a tug, so strong of a tug, that I ask this question. It's not unique for me to ask. But if Bernie Sanders, the radical, were nominated and elected president, what would be different than what has happened since Joe Biden became president? In any event, we have worked to elect moderates in our party. They have never shown us the same favor. Their ancestors said about Ronald Reagan what they now say about many leaders of our party, two extremists. They said it about Goldwater. They said it about Reagan. There was a movement in 1984 of Republicans for Mondale, believe it or not, led by a guy named John Smith. Honest to gosh, that was his name, John Smith. And uh, they took out ads in the New York Times, etc. He's forgotten and Reagan isn't. That ought to tell you something. I, for one, though, am glad to be a member of a party that venerates Reagan and Goldwater to say nothing of Lincoln and not one that thinks our grandest beacons of political right were George Romney, Jerry Ford, Nelson Rockefeller. We have a lot of things to fix here in this country and in this world, and moderation in the pursuit of justice right now truly is no virtue. Just ask anyone we're supposed to listen to on the left. We'll be right back.